This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hi, I'm Paul Hansma. I've been a physics professor here at UC Santa Barbara for almost 50 years. I've worked to make inventions to help people. Today, I'm excited to tell you about an invention that could help you maximize your bone health. It's called a new bone score test. Maximizing your bone health can help you live an active life. It can help you live an independent life without the pain and disability of bone fractures. In many cases, an active and independent life is no longer possible after hip fracture. Hip fracture is a very serious situation. Notice this, within one year after hip fracture, 20% of people die, 30% permanently disabled, 40% unable to walk independently, 80% unable to carry out at least one independent activity of daily living. So hip fracture is a very serious thing that I want to avoid, and I expect you want to avoid it too. So how can I be safe? You may be asking yourself too, as I've asked myself, how can I be safe? You know, how can I maintain my independence? What should I do? Change my diet, exercise, medications? Well, you can begin by finding out, like I did, if you are at risk for fracture. So how do you do that? Well, DEXA is the traditional test, and it measures bone loss. People start losing bone loss early in life, and it just there's gradual bone loss. And the question is how much you've had as you get older. Bone score, which is this new test, measures bone strength. Using both tests helps in predicting fracture risk. So let's talk about DEXA, for instance. Let's say Alice and Susan both had a DEXA measurement, and in both cases they were told they had moderate bone loss. Moderate bone loss. And say their bone loss was the same. If they went ahead and got a bone score test, let's say Alice found she had low bone strength, and Susan found she had high bone strength, Alice is more likely to fracture her bones. Alice is at more risk of bone fracture. So the additional test helped. Both DEXA and bone score are important for determining fracture risk. Now, DEXA is called by many different names. It's called uh, DEXA T-score, bone mineral density, bone density, It's basically a measure of bone quantity. This density is a radiographic density, how much calcium is in the bean path. It's a measure of how much bone you have. And the most important aspect of it is how much bone loss you had. So rather than mixing up all these terms, I'm going to try to be consistent and say DEXA measures bone loss. Now, again, bone score, there's many terms for it. In the scientific literature, it's called bone material strength index, or bone material strength. It's basically a measure of bone quality, and the aspect of quality that's most important is bone strength. And so again, to keep things simple, I'm going to say bone score measures bone strength. So now bone loss, as measured by DEXA, is certainly a problem. As you have DEXA scores that are more negative than 2.5, It's said that you have osteoporosis, and um, you can see this is a chart of fracture rates, and fracture rate gets higher for people with osteoporosis. So this is 
um, a risk for fracture if you have osteoporosis. But notice also that for people over 55, for 10 million people that have osteoporosis, 50 million people have osteopenia, or this kind of intermediate amount of bone loss. No longer called normal, but not yet at osteoporosis, osteopenia. And it's kind of a gray zone for a reason I'll explain next. But notice that there's 50 million people here compared to 10 million people there. And so even though the fracture rate is lower here, by maybe a factor of two more or less, there's so many more people, you might expect that actually there would be more fractures here because there's more people. And in fact, that's the situation. The most fractures occur here in the osteopenia region. Now, if you have osteoporosis, your physician is going to recommend medication. If you're normal, no medication is needed. Osteopenia is kindly called the gray zone because it's not so clear whether you should take medication or not take medication. And unfortunately, most fractures occur for people with osteopenia. Now, bone score is very helpful if you have osteopenia. The bone score test is a major advance in helping your physician and you decide what to do. Again, DEXA measures bone loss. Bone score measures bone strength. Using both tests helps in making decisions about medications. Let me show you three case studies. These are real patients with two made-up names. First, Lisa. She's actually one of my neighbors. She's 66. She had a DEXA T-score of minus 2.2. So you can see here that's near the border of osteoporosis, but it's still osteopenia. She's kind of in the gray zone. Uh, her physician and she were uncertain whether she should take medication, not medication. Next patient is named Bob, made up name. He's 40 years old. He had a DEXA T-score of minus 3, but... He was healthy, uh, he was athletic, he had had some falls without broken bones, and so even so, his physician at Johns Hopkins had him come to Santa Barbara to get a bone score test because he didn't really want to take medication even though he had osteoporosis. The third patient, that's me, not a made-up name. Age 76, I had the same average DEXA T score as Lisa did, minus 2.2. So again, I'm near the border of osteoporosis where medication would be recommended, but not there. So what to do? Uh, my physician wasn't really sure. So Lisa took a bone score test. She discovered her bone score was 59. Now here's a distribution of bone score tests in the population. You can see Lisa was way down here at the weak bone end, 59. She's way down here, very weak bone. And so, given that she has a lot of bone loss and very weak bone, her physician recommended she start a strong drug, Prolia, and do exercise and wait for improvement before she goes skiing again. Now, Bob, his bone score was 80, so he was way up here. And so, his physician was happy to go along with Bob's preference of not taking any medication. For myself... My bone score was 74.5. Not horrible, but not great either. Kind of on the wrong side of the curve, so to speak. And so given that my bone loss was marginal, and given that this was a little weak, my physician recommended that I start resendronate. So resendronate is a relatively mild drug. It's once a month oral. 
whereas Lisa, her physician recommended prolia, a very strong injected drug. Even though, you see, before we knew bone score, our DEXA scores were just the same. But the addition of the bone score allowed our physician to make a better recommendation than just DEXA alone. Bone score tests were FDA approved just last year, but they've been in clinical and laboratory studies for over a decade. Some of the early studies were done at the, at the Mayo Clinic, at Harvard, Massachusetts General Hospital, um, prestigious institutions all around the world and published in the leading journals around the world, the uh, American Society of Bone and Mineral Research, and so on. So this technique has been around in the research literature for quite a long time. And I'd like to highlight a few of the results. First, fracture rates go down as bone score goes up. So this is combined data from seven clinical studies of patients over 55 without osteoporosis. So these are the patients that really want to know, should I take drugs? Should I take drugs? Do I need to take action? Don't I? Well, you notice that for someone like Lisa, who had a bone score of 59, I think, anyway, she was way down in here. So her fracture rate was way up um, compared to someone with a higher bone score. And so fracture rates goes down as bone score goes up. I'd like my bone score to go up and my fracture rate to go down, that's for sure. The study at the Mayo Clinic said, why do patients with type 2 diabetes have less bone loss but more bone fractures? So this is kind of counterintuitive. Normally you think if you have less bone loss, you're going to have less bone fractures, but in fact they have more. So they found out it was because patients with type 2 diabetes have lower bone strength, hence lower bone score. Study done in Europe showed that jumping on one leg improved bone score in that leg in three months. Now, this, of course, is confirmation that exercise is good for bone health. But the more important thing and the very surprising thing from a scientific point of view is it happened in three months. Three months is faster than your body can build new bone. Um, so something else is going on. And this is, I think, the most important slide in the presentation that shows available medications can improve bone material strength, bone score in seven weeks. So... At any rate, here's the graph. Now, bear with me. I realize it's a little complicated, but it's really, really important, and I'll try to go through it, you know, very carefully. What this was is a study that was done in Barcelona, and they had patients who had had organ transplants. It's a big hospital, lots of organ transplants, Hospital Del Mar. And they divided these patients into four groups, and tried four different treatments because it's known that the glucocorticoids, these are drugs, they're steroids, they're powerful drugs that are given after organ transplants to help prevent organ rejection. And it's known that they increase bone fracture risk. So they wanted to see four, try four different things and see, you know, what worked best. And so one group got calcium and vitamin D. And this says change in BMSI. Now, this was in the scientific literature, so that's why it's called Bone Material Strength Index. Now this is called bone score. So I'll say change in bone score. So the bone score dropped like a rock in seven weeks. Now, in fact, it dropped so much that this arm, this group was terminated from this 
uh, because of ethical reasons. They felt we do not want these people who are only getting calcium and vitamin D to just keep dropping down here and get fractures. So they they terminated this this branch, and they uh, technically it's called arm of the study, and they gave them resendronate to kind of rescue them. And sure enough, the resendronate actually increased their bone score a little bit. Now, the next group of patients was given resendronate. That's the drug I'm taking. And, and the resendronate, see, allowed them to maintain their bone score despite taking this strong drug, the glucocorticoids. Um, now, of course, I'm not taking glucocorticoids, and so my hope is that taking resendronate is going to actually improve my bone score, and I'm looking forward to getting it retested soon and find out how well it's working. Now, my neighbor across the street, she's taking prolia. In this arm of the study, in this group of people, notice that even though they were taking glucocorticoids, their bone score increased and kept increasing. This is another injected drug, Forteo. And again, their bone score increased and kept increasing. The really interesting thing about this from a scientific point of view, again, is that these changes happened in seven weeks. Now, they measured DEXA for these people. There was no change in DEXA for the entire course of the study because DEXA needs new bone to be, you know, made. And basically, there isn't time to make new bone in 20 weeks. But the bone material strength, the bone score increased. Um, so it shows you that bone score can increase faster than bone can be, new bone can be made. Bone score can be increased, the, the strength of your bones can be increased without even adding new bone. Um, these tests were done by Dr. Adolfo Diaz Perez, and I, I have to smile. I just see his picture. I, I, I really like this guy so much, and, and he's really key to the, this whole thing. Um, basically, I'd done some fundamental research on bone and got invited to a bone conference in Rome. I was very excited. And I gave my talk, and after the talk, he came up, and I was talking about um, some theories about what, how bone resists fracture. And uh, he said, well, you know, he thought my research was very interesting, and he thought I might be right about, you know, what, uh, what's responsible for bone strength. He said, but, you know, your research is clinically irrelevant. I said, what? Clinically irrelevant? You know, I, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, how bone resists fracture, and bone fracture is a huge problem, so that seems clinically relevant to me. So he said, no, it's clinically irrelevant because there's no way to measure bone strength to measure bone quality in patients. And if you can't measure it in a patient, it's clinically irrelevant. Huh. I realized he was right. And I spent the next few years first just thinking about how you could possibly do that. How could you measure bone strength in a patient? And finally, I had some ideas, and um, I built a lot of prototypes in my garage, and then my students and I built prototypes here. And finally, we had one that we thought would work, and I contacted him again, and I told him about it. He was very excited. He wrote a, he wrote a grant, and uh, he did the first clinical study there at the Hospital de Mar in Barcelona, and sure enough, it turned out that patients who had had a hip fracture had lower bone strength than patients who had not had a hip fracture. And this was the start of many, many studies 
such as I showed you all the symbols of the institutions and I showed you the combined results. But it started with uh, Dr. Dolfo Diaz Perez, to whom I'm very grateful, wonderful man. What is the test like? Well, basically, you can go to your, a physician who offers it, and you have local anesthesia administered on your leg in your doctor's office. Uh, then you feel a light tapping sensation. It's like um, you get about 10, what feels like about 10 taps on your leg in about 30 seconds. And then you get your bone score right away there in your doctor's office. It's uh, quick and easy. It's a little hard to find a doctor yet. There's a lot of them in Santa Barbara look at the test, but this test is new. You might have to travel to get it, or, you know, you can call your local physician and see if they are offering it, and uh, if not, ask them to notify you when they are offering it. But at any rate, it's easily done even in a single practitioner's office. Let's dig a little deeper into the science. Um, what contributes to a high bone score? How does bone resist fracture? So um, bone is, if this is a very high magnification picture of bone, and what you can see is these little, looks like fibers. And these are called fibrils because they're very small in diameter. Each one of these has a diameter about one thousandth the diameter of a human hair. Tiny, tiny little fibrils. And on those little fibrils are these mineral particles. These are the mineral particles that are the mineral in bone. Now, these are tiny, tiny particles, uh, like 100 atoms across, very, very small. And so, you know, imagine if all you had was the mineral if, in bone, you'd, what you'd have is something like this. This is the mineral in bone is called hydroxyapatite, but it's basically calcium phosphate. And I have some calcium phosphate in this bag. And, and this calcium phosphate has bigger particles than what's present in bone. But you can see, if this is all you had, your bone would have no strength at all. It, it just this fine powder would have no strength at all. What makes bone strong is this mineral and the protein working together to resist fracture. Now, one part of the protein is the collagen that makes up those fibrils. The other part are these proteins in the bone glue that holds the mineralized fibrils together. You'll see filaments of bone glue there and in this cartoon between the mineralized collagen fibrils. Now, the proteins in bone glue include osteopontin bone sialoprotein. I apologize for the big names, but I just felt I had to say it because, boy, my students and postdocs work for so many years it worked so hard to establish that those were the components of the bone glue and to measure their mechanical properties and to see they, they had the same mechanical properties as the bone glue in bone. And it also sets up my next slide, which is a hypothesis. So it's known some medications and exercise can increase bone score in weeks, much faster than new bone could be made. I already showed you jumping on one leg, and these uh, medications from that Hospital Domar study. It's also known that osteocytes in bone can produce osteopontin, bone sialoprotein, and other components of bone glue. So osteocytes are living cells that live inside your bone, inside your bone and my bone. Everybody has these living cells inside the bone. And these living cells can sense mechanical forces 
and they can produce osteopontin bone sialoprotein, other components of bone glue. So my hypothesis is some medications and exercise can stimulate the osteocytes to produce osteopontin, bone sialoprotein, and other components of bone glue, thus rapidly increasing bone score. So this is a way that bone could be made greater in strength without adding new bone, that the body could increase the strength of the bone you already have if the osteocytes could be stimulated to make more bone glue. That's my hypothesis. Now, there's opportunities here for the pharmaceutical industry um, to develop new medications that specifically target increasing bone score. Uh, For example, they could see if they could get a medication to increase the osteocyte production of bone glue. Or there may be other ways that they could target to increase bone score. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's relatively straightforward if you have something you can measure like bone score and you can you know, measure it, give someone an intervention, and then measure it again without having to wait 10 years to see who fractures or who doesn't fracture. Now, they might also find existing medications that can increase bone score. A lot of medications are used off-label. For example, um, FDA-approved medications as diuretics have been used successfully to lower blood pressure. It may very well be that some medications that are already approved increase bone score. I mean, after all, the medications I showed were designed to um, slow down or reverse bone loss. They weren't designed to increase bone score. They just happened to increase bone score. There may be other medications that just happen to increase bone score. There's a lot of opportunities for physicians. You can find out how medications and other interventions work within months. This can be done in single practitioner's office, small clinics, big clinics. Publish case studies on what you find. This is new ground. This test has just been approved. It's just been possible to to do things and see what works. You could help improve FRACs by computing a FRAC score for patients you test. So FRAX is a wonderful tool invented by Professor John Canis, and uh, working with the World Health Organization originally, uh, with the idea of can you make a questionnaire that could be used to predict fracture risk, especially for use in countries where DEXA isn't available. And they did a great job, and it has questions like, are you a current smoker? Um, Are you using glucocorticoids? Um, at any rate, you, you can get a FRAX score. Now, if you do have a DEXA score, that can be included in FRAX to improve the accuracy of the predictions. Now, I talked with Dr. John Canis at a bone conference about bone score and uh, asked him about the possibility of having that included in the test. And he, he said, you know, FRAX is, an, is, is a, not a static thing. It was designed to be an evolving test And as we find new questions that help improve FRAX predictions or new tests that improve FRAX predictions, we want to add them. So I very much hope that in the future, a new revision of FRAX, they're currently on revision 4.2, but some future revision of FRAX will have not only the option to put in a DEXA score, but also the option to put in a bone score. So you can help by following up to see which of your patients has fractures. And find, does the combination of bone score with FRAX improve predictions? And there's a lot of opportunities for individuals like you and me. For example, 
If you look on YouTube, you can find a lot of videos about improving your bone health. I really like this one by Vicki Newman that's right here on UCTV. It's wonderful. And she gives a lot of scientifically based recommendations for improving your diet and taking supplements to improve your bone health. Well, what you can do is if you get a bone score test that's lower than you like and you don't really want to take medications and your physician doesn't insist, you can ask him if it's okay with him if you followed these advice for a while and see what that did. If he says okay or she says okay, do it, you know. Follow Vicki Newman's suggestions for a few months or so and go back and see how if, if it works. Similarly, you know, if they, you can look at which ones appeal to you. Here's another dietary one. Here's 10 best exercises. Here's, here's another list of exercises. These are all much-watched videos. If exercise and appeals to you, you could try this and see if it increases your bone score. Uh, this one is an all-natural approach just based on foods and yoga postures. This one is a combination approach based on, on diet and, uh, and medications and supplements. And so you can find what appeals to you, see if your doctor says, sure, try it, and find out what works. In summary, a bone score test can help you. Now, you might see that, if you can see on the screen, you might see her bone score there. It says 88. Boy, I'd sure be happy if I had a bone score of 88. And I'm working to get there. But if you found your bone score was 88 or something like that, you could be happy. You know you're, you're relatively safe. And that's wonderful. You could stop right there, happy that you're safe. Uh, like me, your bone score is lower than what you'd like. You can take action to improve it. And you can find out if the action you're taking is working. You can find more information at bonescore.com. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.